It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 707, 69 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I am here to help you be more successful in your lawn, your garden, your landscape, your bug control, your critter control, whatever you got your questions about. Give me a call. Let's get an answer. 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. Get your question answered and get about your business today. Of course, Pike has a big customer appreciation day. All Pike Nursery locations with the grilling starting around 11 o'clock. I'll be over at Underpriced Furniture at 11 o'clock. This is going to be a fun Saturday, and I don't think the rain is going to impact our plans at all. Again, our phone number, 404-872-0750. Donald's up in Madison, Georgia, and Jones joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Donald, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you today? I'm doing all right, brother. What's going on? Well, I got some dwarf mondo grass that uh, is just looking. Uh, the ends of them are yellow and, and brown, like they're dead. Oh man! And it's not spreading at all. I planted them this time last year. Yeah. So uh, that's huh. you know that's that's my problem. So let me say the the ends, but the rest of it is green, or it's just the tips. Yeah, that's that are correct. Green? That's correct. The ends of them are green, and most of it's uh, green. Okay, that's good. I mean, it's, yeah. it, did you mow it or do anything to damage the no, tips? No, no. This is. I was. I was wondering if it could take full sun. It doesn't like full sun. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. like it a lot. Uh, <laughs> I have some that's growing reasonably close to full sun, not completely full of bacon hot all day long. But uh, I think the the mondo that's in the shade is doing a lot better than the stuff in the sun. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So you would recommend uh, doing away with that in in the full sun then? Yeah, boy, you're gonna to have to water it. I think probably the damage that you're seeing is just water damage. Just gets too dry, gets too hot, and so okay. Okay. Uh, you're gonna be fighting a struggle for the rest of the time you have it out there. And I'm not sure that it's gonna have it very long anyway. So yeah, find something <laughs> else to put out there. I think you'd be better off, down I think. You'd okay, be okay, off okay. yeah, we can, we can, we can change it out. Yeah. I didn't plant, but about ninety of them. So. Yeah. <laughs> It won't take that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy to do. Go ahead and move yeah. some, get something else out there. Okay. Thank you, Walter. Sure, Don. Thanks for calling. All right. Bye-bye. We got Jake on the line in Somerville, Georgia. Hey, Jake. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Hey, Jake. I just planted some Marquee Reliance and Mars uh, grapes. All right. Great. And some muscadine. And I went on the UGA site and uh, downloaded their uh, PDF. And so I built double wire trellises and right. have them all set up. So they're they're growing really good. But looking at that uh, PDF from uh, the UGA site, it says I should trim everything down to just two sprouts coming up. Mm, that would be during the winter time. Right now, during the spring during the growing season, you're too late to be doing any of that pruning. Okay. So for right now. A nip here and a tuck there wouldn't hurt anything, but you don't do that severe pruning back to two buds. You don't do that until January, maybe next year on the musket. And certainly for the bunch grapes, the Mars and the rest of you have that are bunch grapes, they're pruned slightly differently. So read the directions and, you know, learn how to count buds and, you know, move it back to two arms and that sort of thing. 
But um, you're fine. You started out great. I mean, the two-wire trellis is great. You got the UGA PDF that tells you how to grow the grapes, how to train the grapes, how to prune the grapes, how to fertilize the grapes. Boy, you're way ahead of the game, I think, Jake. Yeah, yeah. I could recommend anything to anybody is that UGA site or, you know, they've got so much information. Yeah, pruning grapes is, is sometimes easy to, it's easier to do than it is to explain. If you see yeah. a picture, if you see a picture of what you do to prune the grapes or maximum production, you're way ahead of the game. And yep. my dad had muscadines, and so we'd prune them every year, January, some days it was freezing, sleeting, cold as all get out. But yeah. we'd prune the grapes because that's when you prune them. So yeah, now, yeah, now the, the muscadines are growing really good. I've got good. Uh, uh, strings coming up from the, 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 the base of the root right. uh, up to the wire, and I mean, I'm not doing any trimming on those. As many as I can get to climb and, and cross the wire, I'm doing. Yeah, eventually we'll have one sort of straight trunk that'll come up and touch the wire, then it'll split off and go in different directions, one arm down one wire, one arm down the other wire. But until it gets sort of growing pretty vigorously, you don't have to worry about that. Just let it grow. Okay, so the, so the bunch of grapes, just let them grow up about 30 inches tall before I try training them out to carry anything. Look at them and just see, well, if I maybe the two competing limbs and I, if I took one off, it would be look a little bit better or maybe cut it in half, shorten it a little bit so that mm -hmm. one becomes the main arm because that's what you're trying to do is to establish main arms and then have the other secondary growth come off of it. So if you just look to you like two of them are almost equal in strength and they're going down the same direction, one of them needs to be the dominant and one needs to be the subservient um, growth. And so you might want to tip one of them back. But you use judgment on that. You have good sense. You, you have good sense. You can figure out which one needs to be tipped back. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. And <laughs> while I was on hold, I got, came up with one more quick question. What's that, Jake? Uh, I've got uh, strawberries, and they're doing really good. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, some of them do get the, the fungus on the, the, the fruit itself. Yeah. And my, my grand who's just about to just sits in there and eats till everyone's gone. <laughs> Is there a safe fungicide I can on there? Uh, You're breaking up pretty badly, Jake. Say it again. Say the question again. Is there a site what? Is, is there a, a fungicide I can put on my strawberries that is not, you know, uh, real toxic or toxic at all? Generally I not. I don't recommend putting fungicides on strawberries because the skin of the strawberry really holds chemicals very tightly. It's hard to get it back off again. I hate for you to have to eat chemicals, yeah. and, you know. Uh, even in the grocery stores, strawberries by reputation have more chemicals on them from the commercial growers than many other fruits and vegetables might. So in your case, you try to do what you can to prevent the pests and uh, let the strawberry ripen it. They ripen over just two or three days, so you just ripen and pick them immediately before the fungus has a chance to break it down. Okay, okay. Yeah, because right. I, I was thinking of putting uh, just regular wheat straw underneath the bed to keep them kind of off the ground since it's so wet, too. That yeah, that might help, but also wheat straw will bring slugs and snails in there, which would love to have those strawberries for lunch. They would just love it. Oh, yeah. Sand That's might be a better lasts. material to put underneath them if you want to put a little shovel full of sand underneath each plant so the plant so the uh, arms can grow out and the fruit be on the sand. That might be a little bit better. Oh, okay. Yeah, I never thought of that. All right, then. Okay, thank you, Walter. I appreciate it. You have a good day. You bet, Jake. Thanks for calling. You bet. David comes to us from Buckhead. Hey, David. Good morning. How are you? Hey, David. Doing great. What's up? Um, I've got hydrangeas that are about four or five years old, and they're doing well this year because we didn't get the freeze. But 
over time, they reverted from blue to a, you know, a combination of blues and whites and pinks. Is there anything you can amend to in the soil to try to revert them back to the blue state? Yeah, um, anything that acidifies the soil is going to make them more bluer than pinker because acid soil allows more aluminum to be taken up, and aluminum is part of the pigment that makes them blue. So typically we use things like powdered yellow sulfur. You can buy sulfur. You used to be able to buy it at drugstores. I don't know if you can anymore, but you can buy powdered sulfur sometimes from garden centers, hardware stores, and places like that. Okay. It does not <laughs> take much. Do not be dumping a, you know, half a cup of powdered sulfur around your hydrangeas because it turns from sulfur into sulfuric acid, which is how it acidifies the soil. You don't want sulfuric acid around the roots of your hydrangeas. So just a little bit here and there, just two or three like tablespoons. A, like a every tablespoonful year. per plant? I was thinking two or three maybe, and that'd be it. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, okay. Let's see, what else is used? Sometimes people use aluminum sulfate. Alum is the chemical name. So if you had alum, if you find that from a garden center, hardware okay. store, that'd be okay. something else to use to acidify. That can be used a little more uh, freely. It doesn't acidify the soil quite as quickly as sulfur does. Okay, I will find some on Amazon, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you will. No doubt. All right, thank today. you. Anyway, All right, bye. Thanks for calling. We got uh, Mary Ellen is in Lilburn. Mary Ellen, hey, good morning. Morning. Yay, you're going to solve a long time fun. Maybe. What's the problem? What's the problem? Grass. Yeah. Actually, no grass. Uh -oh. <laughs> we had some septic tank issues uh, over the winter, and uh, it was too late to plant fescue seed, so we have piles of mud. Oh, One side of the yard gets lovely full sun, the other side of the yard is shaded by a very large pin oak tree. Hmm. Sounds like you might be a candidate for some zoysia, which tends to be more shade sun tolerant than Bermuda mite. Okay. Okay. It won't be fully shade tolerant. It won't go back under the shade of the tree where it's dark all day long. But either zenith or compadre zoysia seed could be planted. It will germinate within ooh, 10 to 14 days, I would think. Oh, okay. Uh, um, tell me those names of the zoysia. Zenith, the zenith of the sky. Oh, <laughs> okay. Compadre, your friend as you walk underneath the sky. Okay. Compadre and zenith. Um, okay. Uh, can you buy that in pallets, or is it best to do seeds? Well, if you got a little bit of extra money, the zoysia sod would be pretty easy to put down. you got instant coverage, instant We're getting old and... Cranky. And <laughs> so, do you want to do it yourself, or do you want somebody else to do it for you? What do you Knowing say, my husband, he says he'll do it himself. Oh, he shouldn't, Lord. but he probably will. You two discuss your state of your wallet, the state of your backs, and decide which one you want to do. Either way, the the okay. grass would be established better if you do a little preparation to the soil, which neither of you really want to do. Because of what I would hope would happen was somebody gets out and shovels or tills or does something to soften the soil a little bit. So you might hire that out, and frankly, you might hire the whole process out. You can go to Pike, as a matter of fact. Pike has uh, zoysia sides at some of the locations, and they have install installation crews that will come out and do it for you. So that's a possibility, too. Or you can call one of the landscape companies around town that will install sod for you, or seed if you care to do that. But still, the soil needs to be prepared somehow so it's soft enough for the 
roots of the little seedlings to penetrate and get established and make a nice zoysia lawn for you. But again, seed can be planted now, sod can be planted either one. Just do the preparation properly. It's 718. We'll be back to more lawn and garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, about 83 degrees is where we go to today, 67 overnight. Tomorrow, about the same as 83 or 84, perhaps 67 overnight. 40% chance of rain both days, and the full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. David is out in Tucker and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David, good morning. Good morning, Walter. What's up? Well, with, uh, particularly with what we've had in, uh, in store for us the last uh, week and coming out the next few days, when is it too wet to plant plants and seed? You know, if you notice the radar for the past two or three days, back on Wednesday, I think it was, they were saying, you know, three to five inches of rain going to come this, this, this week, weekend. And I looked at the radar, David, and the clouds, the rain and everything was split. There'd be a lot of rain up and coming over Douglasville, and there'd be a lot of rain over east of, um, of Tucker. But right in the middle was Atlanta, and we didn't get all that much rain. I got one inch one night, and that's about it. And Tucker's not far from where I live, and y'all didn't get a lot of rain, it doesn't seem to me. So as long as the soil isn't just soppy, soggy, dripping wet, you can still plant seeds. At my house, and I'm only four three miles from Tucker, I would say it's plenty dry enough to plant right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I know there's a rule of thumb when it was wet, you didn't want to do that, but I wasn't quite sure how you define yeah, wet. Yeah, the, the rule of thumb, David, is you take the soil and just take a wad of it in your hand and mash it. And if you, when you mash the soil in your fingers and thumb and water drips out of it, well, that's too wet. <laughs> and if you mash it and it sort of falls apart in your hand, that's just the perfect moisture levels for the seeds or the plants, either one to be planted. Just mash it in your hands, how you tell. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, David. It's great talking to you again. Thanks for calling. 404-872-0750. The number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 736, 70 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful. All you got to do is call 404-872-0750. Mike is down in McDonough and joins us. Say, hey, Mike, good morning. How you doing? Uh, my doing question right. is uh, regarding whether or not to remove the suckers on indeterminate tomatoes. If you Google it, you get yeah. a million different opinions to do it, <laughs> not to do it, do it up to the first leaf. Are you aware of any academic or scientific studies that have 
give a definitive answer to this instead of just people's opinions? Sometimes it depends on the variety. It depends on how much you're mechanized, and whether it's a commercial crop or a gardener crop. And I'll be the, tell you the truth, Mike, I do not remove suckers. I just let the tomatoes grow where they want to and put the tomatoes on as they care to do it. I know other people who do will go out and obsess about how many suckers to take off and how much leaf coverage we need and this, that, and the other. And so I just, I got other things to worry about in my life more than how much I need to take the leaves off my tomatoes. So, Mike, I don't do it. You can choose to do the other. It doesn't bother me, but I'm not going to tell you how to do it because I don't do it, don't have enough observation time to say this is the right way, this is the wrong way. So, you, as you say, you get a million opinions and everybody has a different way of doing it, and I just don't do it. Okay. So nobody's ever done any study to see if it helps or not helps. You know, I'm sure it has, but again, variety differences in you know, sort uh, of the mechanization and things like that all affect how it, the yield is, and much of the studies that have been done have been done based on commercial crops, not on home gardener crops. I, I got you. All right. Well, since I'm a lazy gardener, I'll just continue <laughs> not doing anything either. I recommend it, Mike. I recommend it. Okay, sir. Thank you. You bet. See you soon, Mike. We got Cecil on the line up in Smyrna in Cobb County. Cecil, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Uh, grand day to be here in Smyrna and the entire world. Good. I have a garden problem uh, with our church garden. We have 24 raised beds. One of my beds is invaded by orange and black ants. Mm. And I know one thing, they're not vampire ants because they're in my garlic bed. Mm. Um, the garlic is almost ready to harvest. Uh, the bed is 4 by 8 feet. It's 16 inches tall. It's made out of 2-inch cedar. Uh, the ants have just about totally honeycombed all of the wood. Hmm. Um, I've heard cedar or cider vinegar and water, uh, borax and sugar. I don't want to do too much to it. Uh, what I have also considered is waiting until the garlic is mature harvesting and then uh, totally eradicating the anthill and then replacing the soil and the um, the bed entirely with a, a new cedar bed because it's just absolutely shot. Of the three, Cecil, so I'm going to go with the latter. I think you'd be better off just to wait until you've harvested the garlic and then do the insecticide treatment, empty it if you need to, just do all of it that way because the borax and sugar certainly will kill ants, but also it's very attractive to other animals, dogs, cats, kids, chipmunks, things like that that like the sugar. And the borax is, is pretty good poison. It'll kill them too. So I don't much like the borax sugar bait um, recommendations, recipes. I don't like that. And then the vinegar and things like that, they're not labeled for use as insecticides. I'm not sure they'll work very well to kill the ants. And I know insecticides, commercial ant-type insecticides, will kill them. So I'd rather just wait and harvest the garlic and do what you need to do after that. Uh, that sounds fine. I just hate for it to contaminate the rest of the beds because it'd be a, it'd be a real mess if uh, they got into all the rest of it up there. Let's get the population under control of that one bed if that's as far as they have gone. And sometimes the conditions in the bed itself make it conducive for ants to grow. And so one of the ways to get ants to move away is simply to keep it wet, keep it soggy in that corner. You might get a little water hose in there and wet it down pretty good every day or two. Yeah. As during long as it's the, soggy, uh, they can move away. They're in that surrounding mulch uh, around the walkways and things up to that 
bed. It's a pretty good size uh, infestation in that one area. So it, it has me concerned. Yeah, and but, in uh, the walkways, you don't care whether you put insecticide down there or not. So it's no, okay absolutely to do, not. Do there is fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, now, uh, what insecticide would you say would be safe for me to put in a on, along that walkway? Gosh, any of the any of the brand name, um, either granular or liquid insecticides, I think would do fine. I'm not going to say Ortho is better than Bayer, better oh, than no, or any of that, but any of the brand names that this kills ants, I think would do fine. Okay, because I certainly uh, pride myself in keeping my garden as pure as the driven snow. Sure, um, sure. But I, I humbly thank you for that. And one item last, um, eight years ago I started a seed of Meyer lemon. Yeah. And this year it's throwing blossoms. Yay, good for you, Cecil. Good deal. They're all, they're all female blossoms, but uh, hopefully later in the year it'll toss out what it needs. Well, they're, they're actually perfect flowered. It's a perfect flowered plant, so if those are both male and female parts in there. You can put a, oh gosh, a Q-tip or a pencil eraser in there and sort of move the pollen around and pollinate yourself if you want to. I've been doing that. All right. Good deal. Good deal then, Cecil. Thanks for calling. Thank you, sir. Good day. We'll see you soon. Anna is out in Covington in Newton County, and here she is on the air with us this morning. Hey, Anna, good morning. Hi there, Walter. How are Hi. you today? Hey, Anna. I'm doing great. What you got? Well, I actually have five very mature cypress trees in my yard, but yeah. what I have noticed is that we have um, accrued some apple rust in those trees. The, the big orange my sort of gooey jelly yes. things? Yeah. They're gross. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering if there was anything uh, that you suggest to get rid of those. And then also I have persimmon, fig, and black walnut trees. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to affect those. None. The, the, okay. what, if our listeners out there who wonder what Anna is seeing on her cypress trees, this is a time of year when it's rainy and warm that you get these orange yeah. gobs, is the lack of a better word, big orange fist-sized almost gobs. During the dry season, they'll dry down to be a little walnut-sized things you don't even notice. Mm -hmm. but, wow, now it looks like big orange Christmas balls all over the cedar trees. And they yeah. shed spores. The spores affect only the apple trees, some pears, but not as badly, but mostly it's apple trees. So the disease itself is called okay. cedar apple rust and requires both plants to be its host. So if you have figs and blackberries and uh, walnuts around, that won't affect them at all. Just the apples, just your neighbor's apple trees if you, or your apple trees if you have any. So we can eat all of those wonderful things. Oh, it's sure. not going to affect sure. anything. Sure. The only thing you can do as far yeah, as your control of the orange gooey thing in the trees, if you get high enough on a ladder, go think just clip them out, clip them get out, them. And dispose of them, get okay. them out of the tree. Yeah. So um, is it going to kill the cypress? No. It has very little okay. effect, actually, on the cypress. It is apples that it more affects. The trees, once they get these yellow spots on the leaves, they'll defoliate uh -huh. during the middle of the summertime, which is not good for the apple tree. So the apple folks, growers up in North Georgia, they go send crews out in the woods to cut down any junipers, any cedar trees they see in the woods okay. to make sure they don't have any cedar apple rust affecting their apple trees. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It's a fascinating, it's a home, fascinating so disease. But again, if you clip it out of the cedar trees, Anna, you'll be fine. 
Wonderful. Thank you. You have a great weekend. You too, Anna. We'll see you soon. <laughs> if you have fruit, by the way, this was in my last newsletter last week. A guy had pear fruit. And he said, I've got these orange tubes, he described, it was coming out of his hard pears that were just mm, ping-pong ball size, I guess, on his pear tree. And I noted that that was probably not cedar apple rust. That was either cedar hawthorn rust or cedar quince rust. And all three of them look the same but have slightly different effect on the fruit and on the leaves of their host plants. So if you subscribe to our newsletter, you'd already know this, but if you want to subscribe to the newsletter, I send it out every other Thursday. It has pictures of things that people send to me that I think are interesting, articles about stuff that you might find interesting and helpful to yourself. I think one of the articles that I wrote was about ticks this last time. So if you have a tick problem in your landscape, it tells you how to control ticks, how to check for them, and how to control them as well. But the subscription to the newsletter is completely free. We don't spam you with anything else. All it is is the gardening newsletter. You subscribe for it at my website, WalterReeves.com, upper right corner. Subscribe to the newsletter. Click on that. We get your zip code and your email address, and that is that. Every other Thursday, you get the email newsletter about gardening somewhere in Georgia. At 745, Mark in Winterville joins us. Hey, Mark, good morning. Yes, thank you, Walter. You bet. Uh, I've got a peach tree that uh, a limb come out at the bottom of the uh, of the trunk. Yeah. And it's out of the ground, Ooh, but okay. it was inside the basket where I, you know, keep from the rabbits eating the tree. Got it. And it grew last year. It grew about a foot. So I was going to cut it off this fall, but then the deer got a hold of some of my limbs, and and uh, I said, well, I better better not cut it off. The rest <laughs> of my tree may die. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, now the rest of the tree's looking okay. But this limb has grown to be about seven foot. Yeah, it takes off, doesn't straight it? Straight up. It's a grafted peach tree, so they they grafted the name variety of peach to a very vigorous but very unlikely to produce much fruit, uh, lower stock, root stock. And if you let right. that limb grow, it will shade out the top of the tree, and you won't get any peaches off of it, little bitty hard peaches. It won't taste very good. Okay. So you've got to cut it off. That's, <clears throat> that's what you have to do, Mark. Cut it off, uh-huh. let it be gone. Okay, if I cut it off now, it won't affect the tree or kill the tree now. No, it will not kill the tree. And frankly, it'll give it a little more food from the roots to nurture the top part of the good part of the peach tree. And that's that's to your advantage. All right, that sounds good. Yeah, go ahead and cut it off. All right, thank you. You bet. Thanks for calling, Mark. I noticed right, myself that I've got a contorted filbert. That is real pretty. Uh, Harry Louder's walking stick is the common name for it. But contorted filbert is commonly grafted to a straight-limbed filbert. I love the contorted part of it, but the straight limbs will come out below the graft. And I saw yesterday that I need to get over there with my pruner and prune out all those little straight limbs that have come out from the bottom part of the tree because they will eventually shade out my contorted part, the attractive part, and just be a plain old common filbert after that, which is not what I want. So this afternoon, maybe after I get back from underpriced furniture, maybe I'll prune out the bottom part of my contorted filbert. It's 747. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. As I through this world, nothing can stop but to cover. And you, you are my girl. And 
Yeah, during the breaks, we're watching the new Duke of Sussex and the Duchess of Sussex as they do their I do's, I guess, over there in England this morning. They're doing it right this minute. If you're not watching, it's pretty impressive to see the big royal family in the royal wedding in England this morning. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, high of around 83 degrees, low of 67, pretty much the same tomorrow, 83 and 66. 40% chance of rain both days. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Gene in Duluth joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gene, good morning. Hey, Walter, this is Jan, the Dahlia guy. Hey, Dahlia uh, guy, how are you? All right, you know, uh, no good deed goes unpunished or whatever. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had to deal with the horse manure and the weed killer that was on yeah. the pastures yes, and then sir. the grass and then the dew. And last year, it didn't seem to have any problem with them. And this year, <laughs> I've got 20 tomatoes in a row, three of them. The top of them look all curled up. In one place, another place, I gave a guy a bunch of them, and about three of his ten look all curled up. So and the manure has kept the herbicide in it for that long, Gene? This is down under a big pile. I mean, we're I look like a miner crawling under this big pile, <laughs> and it's all black. You, you can't tell what it yeah. is. It's so broken up. And you were thinking that still, that would be the old manure that would not have any herbicide in it, but still, yet it still does. And it doesn't bother all of them. It's... There's only hmm. like one section or something. Maybe it's where I got it thicker, you know, when you're spreading it or what. Yeah. It doesn't seem to bother cucumbers. Um, <clears throat> nothing else. Uh, peppers. Got no. peppers yeah. growing in it. Tomatoes are That's very my... sensitive. That's the reason you use tomatoes sometimes to test to see if herbicides are in manure. Plant a tomato. If it's wound up and curled up tight mm -hmm. in the next week or so, you have herbicide in your manure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just what's so frustrating is just, part of them you know so you yeah. kind of like okay what else can i do i i gave some to one wooded lady yeah. two plants so i went back yesterday and dug all that dirt out and put in yeah, some yeah put in body, dirt. you know that uh add amended stuff and so we'll just grow them in that well, Gene, Gene, to, to make good news out of bed i'll teach you a new word today the word to describe when tomato leaves get curled up real tight because of herbicide damage is called Epinasty, and I love that word. E p i n a s t y. Epinasty. Epinasty is when the leaves <laughs> of your tomatoes, or in your case, maybe your daddies, get all curled up from herbicide in the soil. So let that just be a warning to everyone: if you have hay yeah. or manure or someplace from a pasture that you are not positive they have not used herbicide on it, do not use it in your garden. It will cause epinasty on your tomatoes and perhaps other flowering plants as well. Be careful. That's the reason I called you to let other people know. You know, they it had still it. Lasts we, a long we thought time. we were dealing with broad mites at one time. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've been through the whole gamut of stuff yeah. trying to figure out what was going on. So, well, thanks, anyway. Gene. Appreciate sure. the warning. Appreciate it this morning. Right. It's okay. 7:58 at News Talk WSB. Back to more lawn and garden after news. Mm -hmm.